Hello, Trojan fans! This isn't Ryan Abraham, as you've probably figured out. This is Keelior and Shotgun Spratling with our own new little podcast. Isn't that right, Shotgun? Yeah, we got a little family feud action because we're kind of like brother, sister of the USCfootball.com staff. Uh, we treat each other that way at practice. I've got a lot of females in my family. i got three <laughs> sisters, three moms, and three nieces. Four nieces now. i got, I got wow. an added one. Uh, but So I'm, I'm used to having the females around me. Uh, the females around you, huh? In the family. Uh, so, you know, I treat Keely kind of like my little sister at, at the, at the field. She kind of picks my brain a lot, like, like maybe a big brother. Uh, so it's kind of just, this is kind of, podcast is just kind of a takeoff of what we, we are every day at practice, kind of going back and forth with each other already. Yeah, it's kind of like an inside look of what we talk about. Kind of more casual, um, just debating things about the USC football team and what we saw in practice this week. We also are on the field together during games, so we kind of get a different perspective of things. So just kind of getting a little taste of all that into one podcast. Yeah, also, hopefully bring a little bit different flavor than some of the things you've heard earlier in the week in the podcast because we have a, d- a little bit different vantage point, just being on the field and you know, kind of hearing some of the things on the sideline, uh, hearing you know what the players are chirping back and forth <laughs> with each other, and you know, kind of seeing things a little bit uh, more up close. And you know, we also talk to all the players at the practices and stuff. So maybe a little bit different vantage point than you may get the rest of the week. Yeah, so just a little taste. Um, I guess without a further ado, let's go into our first segment: stock up, stock down, or survey says. Sure. We polled two people for this. <laughs> uh, just playing out the Family Feud theme here. Two people being me and Keely. I'll start with my stock up. After the first game, you got to have Daniel Morbebe. I mean, you saw how stole mu- mine already. Oh, of course I did because that's the right answer. Because uh, you know, you saw how much the offense, how good the offense was with him. I believe the number was uh, there were twelve point six yards per play when he was on the field in the first half. The first play he's in was a touchdown. Second play he's in, I think they they picked up twenty yards on. It was the only two plays he played in the first half. But he's definitely a guy that, that's on my stock up watch. Uh, also, I got Rojo. I mean, how, how can, how can he's he the not? yak daddy? He's the yak daddy <laughs> uh, as. Dylan McCullough gave out the awards uh, on Monday, I believe, to his running backs. Uh, Cam Smith, obviously, we sh- saw you know how different the defense is with him in and out of the, the uh, out of the lineup, and how how they were able to line up differently a little bit in the second half. And Dylan McCullough, uh, I think the the production of the running backs puts his stock up after the first week. That was fast. You just rattled those off. Okay, well you. Also should note that this includes coaches, concepts, pretty much anything stock up, stock down. Yeah, this is not just players or coaches or anything. It's not individuals. It can be, I mean, Dylan McCullough, I put him in there just because of the running back group. I would say the whole group was up. Yeah, for sure. You you stole my Daniel Imamatarebe. I think the Titans definitely need to get uh, more work in the offense, and I think you saw the presence of, the mispresence of Daniel Imamatarebe, if you will. As you said, the two plays that he was in, they had success, so... I think it was un- underappreciated how much his injury would affect the team. I think you should point out, though, that there was a pretty good uh, diversification of the position with him being hurt. Uh, you also saw Josh follow and and um, Kerry Angeline play some two tight end sets together. You know, those guys were in there uh, for, for five or six plays together. Uh, so you saw some two tight end sets even later with Tyler and, and Daniel together. So you, you saw some different things from that position with him being out. Maybe when he comes back, if he's healthy this week, maybe it's mostly him. Maybe they do some different things against Stanford. We'll see. A side note, Josh Follow, on special teams, what did you see him when you rewatched the game? How was he? Uh, I mean, he, he was on several special teams. I did not expect him to play as much as he did. Maybe it's because his position coach is the special teams coach. Maybe that has a part <laughs> that of helps. You know, especially after him missing, I think, three weeks of training camp. You know, I didn't expect him to be thrown in the mix so quickly. Um, you know, he's a, a guy that's supposed to block and – 
You know, I didn't pay specific attention to him. I didn't see him greatly missing any big blocks or anything. Whereas Eric Cromenhook maybe had, I did not necessarily missed a block, but he had an opportunity. If he could have got to the kicker, maybe Valus Jones was able to to shake his way free for a touchdown on on his return instead of the kicker tackling him. <laughs> I wasn't going to call him out of the game, but he's like, yeah, the kicker got me. Like, yeah, he did. <laughs> he did. Um, I think my other stock up player is Reed Budrovich. Uh, dark horse candidate, Good but call. I mean, I know, right? He's averaging, he's first in the Pac-12 averaging uh, punts and second in the whole NCAA, which is pretty good from your walk-on punter. I mean, if it wasn't for Jake Olson, then he might have been Special Teams Player of the Week. Yeah, for sure. Give a lot of credit to Jake, too. Yeah. Obviously, his stock's up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was... His stock is just soaring. I mean, soaring. that's... I heard that uh, he's losing his voice this week for how many interviews he's had to do. Because uh, they were, I heard, overheard they were trying to schedule like three more interviews for him this week, and they were like, "Okay, we gotta slow it down because he's losing his voice." That's how much he's he's a wanted person this week. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I, I kind of wanted to know how different his week's been. I mean, he, he was just he getting named Pac-12 Player of the Week. I mean, all the interviews he's done, he's been on TV several times for different things. He was on the Trojans Live. You know, and then he's talked a couple times after practicing in the last couple of years since he's been here. But then he had a swarm uh, yesterday, and yep. it was a long swarm. They found like a lot of times when you know for the more popular players, where you know some reporters will come and go, the interviews can get longer. Can get to 10, 15 minutes, and you know the SIDs will come over like, all right, wrap it up, one more. And they had to do that with Jake because everybody wanted to talk to him, and he had a lot to say. He was great. Yeah, no, he's great. Um, he also was playing with his dog after practice. It was adorable on the field. They're chasing each other. Um, stock down. Who do you got? Ooh, so we're we're gonna have to go after some people here. We'll start with John Baxter. I mean, when you give up a touchdown, you kick off return. Yeah, I did it. You stole mine again. Okay, man, I'll just go with the kickoff return unit then. Oh, I mean, fine. the kickoff coverage unit because you can't give up a. You know, you know that the guy is dangerous, Darius Phillips. He's had a couple touchdowns in the past season. You can't. You know, Clay said that we kicked it in the middle. Don't. You can't do that. You can't make those type of mistakes Plus, on special teams. The personnel on that at on that kick return, it was mostly walk-ons and freshmen. A lot of freshmen. A lot of freshmen played on special teams. John Baxter actually tried to tell me. I was like, "Did you go into the game planning to, to you know rotate some guys or switch?" He's like, "Oh, we didn't do that." I was like, "Yes, you did. You, I I chart every play. I know. That, I'm like, you put this guy in here. It's like, oh yeah, well we plan to rotate some of the guys. So I'm not sure if it was." Maybe he misunderstood my question. I don't want to, you know, say that he was just trying to avoid the question. But he maybe they went in like we want to see a couple different guys at the position before we get to a game that's going to matter in the conference standings. So maybe we'll try out two guys because they actually did rotate some guy. Maybe it was a rotation. Maybe it was just subbing guys out. Like John Houston was on several of the the coverage units to begin with. He was taken off a couple, maybe just to give him rest because he was getting so many reps. Uh, but after the touchdown, there were some changes uh, to take guys off. And like Jack Jones was taken off for Jenna Harris, and um, Grant Moore, the walk-on, was taken off. Previous walk-on was taken <laughs> off for Uchenna Nwosu. Maybe that was let's get a little bit sure tacklers there. Where Jack Jones is usually he's the far guy. He's kind of what the, we consider a safety on, on the uh, kickoff uh, coverage unit. So he stays kind of back. He doesn't charge after the the play like most of the guys do. And then if if he gets past the first line of defense, then he's the guy because of his speed is supposed to try to run him down. He wasn't able to catch because he got turned around a little bit. Great job by Darius Phillips. That was just a heck of a return too. Mm-hmm. I've also stocked down as John Baxter. It was interesting because how much does your chart give you confidence coming into the week and and just rattling off these stats to these coaches? <laughs> I I mean. I know Scott Wolf kind of got word of all the stats you had. He was rattling off everything that you said that went wrong um, 
with John Baxter and special teams to John Baxter. And John Baxter was just like, yeah, how do you know this? So how much does that help you going into the week? Well, I'm glad other people are reading my stuff and yes. whether or not they give me credit or not. Um, you know, you, it's great because I watch the games trying in depth. I haven't finished watching this week's game just because there's been a bunch of stuff going on this week. Uh, but I try to watch the games in depth, and it gives me just that extra base knowledge uh, that maybe some other people don't know. And, and it gives me a chance because cause Dan's our, our primary beat writer. He's going to talk to Sam Darnold every week. He's going to talk to Ronald Jones when he has a big game. I'm trying to find some different stories. I wrote about Valus Jones this week and how he almost broke that touchdown. Uh, and, you know, I saw that because maybe on the field I didn't necessarily see it. I was like, oh, he had a good, pretty good run, and maybe if he gets by that guy. I didn't realize it was a kicker at the time uh, until I saw the replay on the, the Jumbotron. Uh, you know, you see different things when you watch it, especially from the perspective we have on the field versus watching the film copy that the, the broadcasts have. Uh, so, yeah, it's great, you know, ha- having that knowledge and knowing who played and being able to ask them about, hey, what do you think about this uh, type of um, alignment that you guys are in or this type of grouping that you were in? Because, like, uh, I remember at the Stanford game talking to John Houston about playing more because he was in the, with the jumbo package and Jordan Isefa. So it just gives me a little bit more uh, knowledge on those type of things. So it's good to take that over in the practice as well. Also on stock down, USC's national perception. Ooh, Ooh slide a, a little bit one. there. I mean, they went down from fourth to fifth, I think, in the coaches' poll. A couple drops uh, in, in some system overall, people talking about whether to make the playoff or not. And my last one is the other half of the Texas two-step. <laughs> Ronald Jones well, was great, obviously. Um, but if he's the right leg, then Aka Cedric, where, you know, they got a, got a little limp or a little something limp. In, in the left side of the, the two step. Uh, you know, not necessarily that he did anything wrong, uh, but just you saw Stephen Carey, Carr kind of take over uh, some of the reps that maybe uh, Ware would have got. And uh, we talked about this in the Facebook Live. There's an opportunity that Sam Darnold kind of missed to pop a ball over a defender on a scramble. Before he got the line of scrimmage, and maybe Yaka Cedric Ware takes it for a long gain. And if that happens, then maybe he gets a couple more reps later in the game. Maybe it, you know that changes the perception of the coaches, and then also the fans later, instead of wanting Stephen Carr, they're like, oh, how about the great game that Yaka Cedric Ware also had? Yeah, I asked Dylan McCall, like, what does Yaka Cedric Ware need to do maybe to see more playing time or more consistent? He said, I know what he has to offer. It's just sometimes it's harder when you have a guy like Stephen Carr and you need points on the board. You're going to put Stephen Carr in, you know, no knock on Aka Cedric Ware. He's just the consistent guy, not necessarily, I guess, the flashy guy. Yeah, and one thing he did do that uh, one of the chores or the opportunities he had was that he was the two-minute drive running back. So when USC tried to drive the ball and they intercepted it uh, under 20 seconds, I think, in the first half, he was the guy blocking for Sam Darnold the entire time. He's the one to protect him and you know go out for a flare pass, whatever it may be. So they trust him enough to be that, to be the guy that can block it and be that guy in the backfield. They trust him the most for that, at least after the first week. As far as national perception, though, I mean, I, I feel like there's this, this misconception that all lower teams, maybe not Power 5, are just made equally. I mean, do you think that it's fair that USC is getting a knock in their perception if they ha- didn't beat Western Michigan, like, 70 to 0 or something like that? I mean, I think people recognize that Western Michigan has been a good program the last couple of years with P.J. Fleck. It's a different team now. Uh, you lose Corey Davis, the number 5 overall pick. I mean, they lost their quarterback. There's just a bunch of question marks going into the season with this team. But that team looks like it's going to be pretty good. And obviously, as the season progresses, that perception can change. If they go you know, 10-2 and 2 on the season and they beat, I think they're playing Michigan State this week, they beat Michigan State, all of a sudden it's like, oh, USC's wins a little bit better than, than we thought initially. Uh, so you'll see, you see that change week in and week out. That's why the rankings fluctuate a little bit. And if you're, if the 
voters that are on the, the media poll and the coaches poll, if they're honestly looking at things, then they change their poll every week. They don't say, oh, well, those guys won, so we'll just keep them there. You should look at who's playing who and all that type of stuff, I think. Yep. All right. I guess that gets us into our second segment, Keep It, Change It. So, Shotgun, what should USC keep from Saturday's game? Rotations at receiver. I want to see those guys keep coming in, whether it be for full drives like we saw or for individual plays, Valus Jones doing a couple different things. I want to see running hard and getting that yak. You know, get that yak. Uh, you, you really know, like that. Oh, I love yak. Yards after uh, contact, uh, you know, Ronald Jones had, uh, I think, 127 or something, over 100 yards after contact. That's that's incredible. And you saw that with guys like Stephen Carr's run. He had one guy to, mit- to, to make miss. That guy touched him on his leg, so that's the contact. And then the other 52 yards are all after contact there. Uh, and a kicker who's perfect. Chase McGrath was perfect. So if you can keep that up, I like that. No field goal attempts, though. Hey, he was still perfect. Still perfect. Uh, what should USC change going into the matchup against Stanford? The kicker who wasn't perfect, but it wasn't really his fault. So uh, Michael Brown has had a kickoff go out of bounds, which is kind of like a, the, the deadly sin of a, if you're going to be the sole kickoff guy. But it did bounce like two or three yards away from the hash marks, which means it bounced at least 50 yards left and went out of bounds right before the pylon. That's just kind of crazy. So unfortunately for him there um, – one of the things I would say changes, obviously you're going to have to bulk it up up front against Stanford. You know you're going to have to go with some jumbo packages, do some different things. Uh, they use so many different packages and so many personnel groupings. You just got to be ready for it. So uh, bulk it up up front. Let's see some three defensive linemen. Maybe we'll see some four, five. I don't know. Throw 17 defensive linemen if you, if you have to against Stanford. I feel like that could be a penalty. Not sure. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe you get away with it. I don't know. We'll, we'll try it at tackle least. Tackle reps. Uh, the the one main thing I have for changes is tackling. You got to tackle better. They did not tackle well enough, and I'd like to see more rotations from the outside linebacker. We've heard a lot about oh Connor Murphy is one of the guys who want to play more. Oh, we like Wole Batiku. Well, put them in there. Let's see what they can do. Give them an opportunity, you know, in actual game instead of the four last plays of the game. Give them give them some uh, reps in there. Cycle them in a little bit, and that helps guys like Porter Gustin and Chinanuosu. That maybe they have a little bit, you know, one little extra step or extra move because they're they're that much fresher on another play to get to the quarterback and instead of getting a hand on them, they pull them down. Clancy did say that they are going to make a concerted effort to get those two guys more rotation, more we'll reps. We'll see though. He says things we don't know. <laughs> I agree though. I my whole keep attention is kind of a mash of both. I think you got to keep going with the running backs, and then my my change it is go with the hot hand. Don't. I agree with balance, but not to the point where you're killing your offense. Shotgun's rolling his eyes at me, if you can see on not on camera. But go. What do you think? I agree with you to an extent, but you still have to. Like, the reason why the running game works so well is because they were also throwing it. I understand. I'm just saying there's, like, a couple more plays that you could just feed Rojo or Steven Carter. Third and and two, you know, when you've had two straight three and outs, run the ball. You've been running the ball well. Go for it. That's my point. Sure it, is. sure it is. Do you have anything else for Keep It Changing? All right, Nothing. let's go to our mini segment, Heard It on the Sideline. It was my play on Heard It Through the Grapevine. Did you like it? Did you nice. get that? Thank you. I did not get that. <laughs> um, so this is kind of a mix of what we heard on the sideline during the game over the, the weekend and also this week on practice, what beat writers are talking about, all that good stuff. Yeah, some unique stuff. Uh, because we're on the sidelines, we got to get that unique perspective. One of the things, after that first drive – I don't know that I've ever heard Neil Calloway be so positive. You know, he was on the sideline. He's like, oh, great job, guys, great job. 
and maybe he does this a lot in the, the film room or something. We don't see it. He's usually a pretty a guy that's pretty hard on, on the players and wants a lot out of them. But he was just, you know, he's telling them great job and he's just kind of asking what they saw. And it was a very positive conversation. I don't think he was quite feeling the same way <laughs> after the very next drive, the first play before you, you come out of TV timeout and you get a false start. I don't think he was quite as happy then. So that's one of the things I heard. What about you? It was pretty unfortunate because you had just tweeted during the game that Neil Calloway <laughs> was so happy with them. And like right as that happened, there was the false start and everyone was like, oh, shotgun, are you sure about that? So, um, a lot of chatter on on kickoff return. I think that's when the guys like to get their little their little trash talk in. Um, just well, the thing is, you're running full speed at someone, so you get to tell them, "Hey, I'm about to hit you." Because a lot of times you and like if you know that I I, I was on kickoff coverage in high school, I absolutely loved it because <laughs> I was 155 pounds, but I loved hitting people. So. Our kicker was a soccer player that had a huge leg, and like he kicked it in the end zone, and in high school you just have to get it to the end zone. You can't return it from the end zone at all, so if you get it to the end zone, it's automatically a touchback. Uh, so he kicked it in probably like 95% of the time. So you're looking at the ball, and you kind of you can tell when a kicker kicks it well or when they miss it a little bit. So you're kind of watching the trajectory, and then immediately I'm like, all right, who am I going to hit? Who am I going to hit? I'm like a heat-seeking missile. I loved it so much, just trying to find somebody that was looking the other direction to pop them. Uh, so that that's a, I think that's a lot of the times uh, what you're hearing on that is because a lot of those players don't get to play a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, guys like Akili Ross or Isaiah Langley who are solid players, but they're being used on special teams. They're not getting a ton of reps on on defense, so they want to make their mark uh, when they get a chance. So they want to pop somebody and let them know, hey, I'm the one that popped you. <laughs> I know you're kind of close with those guys. What's their morale like if you're not being used as much on defense? It's tough. It can be tough. I mean, Isaiah Langley last year, I think he had a good opportunity to fight for that position with Iman Marshall going into the season, and then he got suspended for a game uh, from an off-field incident in the spring, I believe, or early summer. So, you know, he kind of lost his confidence a little bit because, you know, he got pushed down the depth chart and he had a new coaching staff and he wasn't performing great when he first came. So it, it can be tough, and that's when you really need that the support staff and stuff, guys like Gavin Morris, they're, they're really good at keeping guys in good spirits and, and can help out a lot in that regard. And you just need your teammates. I, I've talked to a lot of the, the guys that are from far away, uh, the Immortal Bebes, Chumadoga, those guys from Georgia, Pi and Jamel from Miami. You know, they have a pretty good, you know, little, uh, southern connection, I would say. Valus as well. Um, because, you know, they were all redshirting pretty much. The, uh, Josh and Jamel and Pi and, and Valus. Um, so they weren't playing a lot, so, you know, but they, the camaraderie of being across the country, they had a good little network, and it really helped that they had the Amato Bebe family, uh, had moved here, so they were able to go and, you know, visit with, uh, Josh and, and Daniel's parents and stay at their house or, you know, go to a meal there, that type of thing. And it really helps, you know, feeling like you're part of a unit, uh, and feeling like these are your teammates, these are, as they call it, a family, you know, your brothers, whereas sometimes, you know, the guys you see transfer, a guy like Ty Isaac, who was from Michigan or from uh, Chicago or Illinois and came out here before transferring to Michigan, he just felt homesick. And then he had, a, I think, a sick grandparent or a mother or a father. Um, so those things can weigh on you a lot when you don't have that support stat, that support group around you of guys that are maybe from your area or talk like you or maybe do something that's similar. Uh, so I think that's a, that's a big thing, and it can be hard for guys that don't uh, participate a lot because that's what you came here for. You came from Georgia. You came from, you know, the Inland Empire or wherever it is. You chose to come to USC because you wanted to play football. So if you're not actually getting to play football, it can be tough. And and that's when you have to rely on the people that aren't the direct coaches. Now, sometimes coaches have really good rapports with players, but other times it's, hey, 
you know, you need, you know, that support staff person or you need that good friend on the team to keep you in good spirits and, and for you to keep pushing you to work hard. It's interesting that you mentioned that Amato Babies because I've heard from a lot of players that they are just one of the most welcoming on the team. Um, I know Vi had a lot of homesickness at first and they just had him over for dinner a lot. They like really helped him. And, and it's funny how much that having the brother connection and then them being kind of brothers to other teammates. It, I've heard from a lot of players that made a big difference adjusting to being if you're not from california it's it's a, an adjustment being across the country i remember i think the first year that daniel got here you know his brother's still back home in georgia his, his family's there and or maybe it was the you know the spring afterwards jamel cook or one there was a florida guy i don't remember if it was jamel cook it was a different there was a florida guy and he was feeling homesick daniel was going to fly home for i think spring break or it was some i can't remember what break it was but the, Instead, he helped the other player um, pay for the ticket to fly home. Wow! Is it you know help? And that's something you do in college. I mean, I remember helping my teammates out with whether maybe where you're moving or whatever. You're like, hey, um, you know, we had unfortunate situations happen while I was in school playing uh, playing baseball. And my team, um, we had a tragic situation. My roommate actually committed suicide. And oh my gosh. It was so amazing that all my teammates kind of rallied around and were there for me because I don't know how else I would have got through that. But then later in my career, uh, just for me personally, my dad had a stroke, and you know, I was really concerned about it, but my teammates were there for me. It's just, uh, this is family feud. We're bringing out the stories. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Bringing Ryan out the personal also. information. But, but it's, I'm just saying it, it can matter so much if you're close with your teammates, and they're there for you to help you out with any situations like that. And that was something that he was able to do in that situation, and I'm sure that the other player was so thankful for it because he was homesick and wanted to go see his parents or whatever it may be. So, yeah, you have a lot of that. And the Amora Bebe's, they're just, I mean, they're, they're two great kids. I mean, every time you talk to them, they're, they're just, you just seems like they're two of the nicest guys around. Yeah, and and we always forget that these are kids, you know, these are teenagers who... A lot of people on the message board, hey, remember, these are 18 to 21-year-olds. If they make a mistake, they get a personal foul penalty. It happens. Yeah. You remember what you were at 18. Well, also, these are student athletes. They still have to go to class. I mean, I lived an hour away and still got homesick. You know, like, it's just a lot to transition and, and get down under your belt when you're young. And so... I never had that issue. Okay. No homesickness here. Okay, whatever. <laughs> um, Anything else you want to add for her? Oh, this is what I was going to add for her on the sideline. I think, not making excuses, but I think the Heat was a huge in, uh player in the game. I know a lot of players had ice everywhere they could put it on their necks, in their shoulder pads. Um, talking to Chris Hawkins, he said he felt like he had never played in a hotter environment. And mind you, U of A last year, my shoes were burning on the turf. I think it was like 1.30, but it was humid on Saturday. And he said it was just so bad and it just made everyone kind of lethargic. Once again, not excuses but i mean it does i mean it was on both sidelines i heard the yeah. same because i was on western michigan sideline a lot uh during the game just because the the uh, sun and the shadows and trying to get photos um but we talked about it actually the day after we, we were texting with each <laughs> yeah. other and you texted and said you know i feel hungover and i completely <laughs> agree with it because my body was sore you know it felt like i like put myself through the ringer but all i did was cover a football game yeah we didn't even play <laughs> yeah i know so imagine if you're getting hit by 300 pound guys a little bit different a couple of things i heard on the sidelines jack jones nearly didn't play every defensive snap interesting so he did he was the only player to play all uh, every defensive snap and he played the most special team snaps that's how he got the ridiculous 97 uh total play snap count um, but he nearly didn't because when he got the penalty, the offsetting penalties, they were ready to pull him out really quick. And luckily for him, uh, to save his mark as all, playing all plays, 
it, it was an offsetting penalty, and I believe they kicked a field goal on the next play. Uh, whereas if it, if it would have been a first down, he was coming out. They had already had, they had two guys that were debating which guy to put in, and he was coming out. So that's one of the things. And then talking not necessarily with the players, but talking with some of the the photographers, it just seemed like during the game. Now I never felt USC was going to lose for whatever reason. I was like, they're, they're going to win. But it just seemed like all the small things were going Western Michigan's way. Every 50-50 ball seemed, you know, every uh, replay, the interception uh, with Jalen Green, the guy, like, I was like, oh, no, there's no way that guy got his foot down. He watched, oh, okay, that's a great, <laughs> great job getting his foot down. It seemed everything was kind of going, and that's usually the makings of an upset there. So it's kind of like, you know, I was talking to some of the other photographers, like, wow, it just seems like they're getting all the breaks, you know, all the small things. But for some reason, I never thought they were going to lose. I don't know why. That's what Cam Smith said. Cam Smith that said that not only did they not, know what they were going to show him nothing went the defense's way so who knows? i mean i i feel like maybe looking back on this game we can see well if this was an earlier team or a different team maybe they wouldn't have turned it around you know i i feel like in other teams we would have heard it was hot it didn't go our way we didn't know what they were showing us and we lost but i mean they turned it around and not having cam smith in the first half definitely made a, a difference yeah i mean some of the teams that we saw maybe three, four years ago, maybe under some different coaches, maybe they don't turn it around. Uh, someone told me, I think it was during the game or after the game, they were like, yeah, this is a game that Kiffin or, uh, or Sark would have probably lost because they wouldn't have gone to the run game. Like, no, Sam's got to get his yardage. He's got to get his, uh, you know, he's got to get his stats. We're going to keep throwing it even though it wasn't working well. And they wouldn't have stuck with the run game as much as, as uh, USC actually did in the game, even though we're saying that they probably should have ran it a little bit more. <laughs> Um, but they would. They said, you know, they wouldn't have made that much of a change and wouldn't have had that concerted effort to stay fifty-fifty. They would have wanted, you know, that that one Heisman contender to get his stats. You want to throw seventeen times to Marquise Lee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. throwback. Um, anything else for her on the sideline? That's it. Now to my favorite segment, where I get to pick your brain. So this is kind of a in the in practice. I'll just go up to Shotgun and ask him random questions, see what he's feeling on certain topics. So now we get to record it and have it be a, a segment. <laughs> Um, I know last week on our Facebook Live, someone asked about kick returners, punt returners. Uh, no, Jenny's punt returner, kick returner. And you said Jack Jones or Valus Jones. Do you they still, both were the kick returners. But do you still agree? I mean, Jenny's the possibility. Do you still agree with with that, keeping those two guys back there? With Jack, specifically Jack Jones. Because uh, I asked you, what about Bayless? And you said, no, Jack Jones. As long as he can keep his knee off the ground, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had the flub and near second flub of taking a knee as he caught the ball. Uh, but I still think he's explosive. People were worried about him running around in circles. Uh, he still gained yardage on it. I mean, there was nowhere really to go. So instead of just sitting there and trying to wait to see if something, he decided to run around. He was just getting his exercise in. <laughs> 97 plays wasn't enough for him. He needed some extra exercise. Apparently so. Um, this is kind of a hot topic on the message boards. Ooh. The D-line rotation. Especially guys are wondering, where is Brandon Peely and where is Jay Tufele? What do you feel about that whole situation? Um, I think that Josh Fatu needs to play a little bit better. He needs to get better leverage and be able to push the pocket a little bit more. Um, he did that early in the game. You know, the stuff I've really studied so far early in the game, he did pretty good. He wasn't getting pushed back. But then later in the game, I, I think you'll, you'll when I start watching, the second half more, uh, you'll see he starts getting pushed back a little bit. Maybe that's fatigue. Uh, maybe that's first time playing, not used to that workload that he had. I think Marlon played pretty good. You know, I, I, there was one pit play where I was, you know, shooting photos of him in particular. It just happened that he kind of opened up, and a guy tried to cut block him. He just kind of shoved that guy away. He just kind of leaped over him, and then goes to make a tackle. And it was really athletic play. I think you're only going to see him continue to get more and more plays because I think he's that good. 
Uh, Jay Tufele is a guy uh, we talked about it last week. He's got to he's got to do more in practice to earn the trust of Kenichi Udaisy and uh, and Clancy Pendergast. Brandon Peely, you know, when I asked Clancy before the season, which freshmen do you think are ready and which ones do you think you you possibly trust to play, he wasn't a guy that he mentioned. Now we've seen Peely do a lot of a lot of things, and he was super athletic. I think eventually he's going to work his way in. I think he's just too athletic not to play. Um, and if you add him to the rotation, if you start rotating more. And it depends on the team because if you play Oregon and they run the up tempo stuff or Cal like they did last year, then you're not gonna have chances up. They don't they don't let you. They, you know they go straight with the same uh, player personnel. So we'll see the teams like Stanford. Stanford changes personnel almost every play. So you'll see a lot more subbing this week, I think. You'll see some guys rotate in, but that defensive tackle position is the one that needs to play a little bit better. I thought Christian Rector played pretty good. Um, I thought Rasheem Green was okay. Uh, I thought he, he, you know, did what he needed to do, stopping the run and stuff. And you, you hope, and I thought they did some interesting things. Maybe the, the first, first down that Western Michigan had, um, they moved Uchenna Nwosu into the middle to, you know, blitz from there, I guess, basically blitz. Uh, and they shoved Rasheem Green way out wide, like a true defensive end in like a, in the 4-3. So he played off the edge and he came and he got close and Rector was on the other side. And both those guys got pretty close to, to getting the sack. Unfortunately, this was a case where Uchenna Nwosu did his part of not pressing up the field too high, whereas Jordan Iacefa was at the line of scrimmage and kind of folded to the same gap uh, responsibility as Uchenna. So that kind of left an opening there. And because because uh, Iacefa kind of got moved by the blocker, that left a gap for the quarterback to run. He was able to pick up first down. They ended up working their way down the field. You know, that, that drive kind of showed that it wasn't just one thing. It wasn't missed tackles. There's only one missed tackle in that. Uh, you, you pointed it out. Chris Hawkins missed the, on the tight end, turned a two yard gain into an eight yard gain. Not a huge thing, but added with, you know, you had, uh, one play with the first time they went to hurry up, uh, offense and there was no, nobody had their hand on the ground. There was no D lineman prepared. Eugene Nwosu was looking at the, uh, at the Western Michigan sideline actually when the ball was hiked. Uh, poor Augustine wasn't ready either. Uh, the linebackers looked like they, they were ready to go in the secondary. I guess they were, uh, especially Biggie because Biggie was actually looking somewhere else. I think he was looking back towards the safeties to get a call. And then they try to throw a deep shot and Biggie's on an island. You know, they, they had played the safeties over the top on Jack's side and Biggie's on an island. And he makes a play, stops the guy. So that shows you that even when he wasn't fully ready, Biggie was prepared to, to make a stop. Uh, I, I think there were several things in that drive that, that, Small things that went wrong um, that they can correct and they'll be better at. But that was the, kind of the the thing. It was all the small things. Mm-hmm. Wow, well, there you go. There's a true shotgun tangent for you. <laughs> um, you mentioned. I'm going any tangents. What are you talking about? No, it's good. I like it. Uh, you mentioned Biggie. How, what have you seen from the mat- maturation of him? I mean, I, he got a lot of flack last year. What have you seen from him as far as? I don't think he got a ton of flack last year. I think it was his freshman year. But anytime you put a freshman in at cornerback. Uh, maybe early in the season, but he got so good as the season progressed, you know, that everybody was throwing towards the door instead of him. You know, that's the thing with Biggie. He's just constantly progressed. And maybe people didn't want to recognize that at first. Oh, he's got to play safety. I'm like, he's a cornerback. He doesn't want to play safety. He's a cornerback. He wants to play corner and he's good. Give him some time. He'll stop putting his hands on people and he's going to be good. I think he's going to have a huge year. I think he's going to get drafted pretty well next year because he's a tall corner. And as long as he can show he can flip his hips, I think he's got a guy that's, that's got great NFL potential as well. Social media is clamoring for you. What? Social media clamoring? Yeah, it's shocking. I know. You probably started this, didn't you? I, I didn't, I caused trouble. No, just kidding. You do, actually. Uh, they're clamoring for USC to free the wide receivers. Almost like 
T. Martin is just keeping them in a cage and doesn't want to play them. I mean, how much of this is them just trying to do experience over talent, or how much of it is that these guys have to earn their keep? Earn I their mean, trust? is this capture the flag? Like, how are we freeing them? I don't. I, I've seen the hashtags in my mentions. Really? There's a free... The, oh, man. Yep. Is it free the receivers or free USC's receiver? Like, what is it? I don't know. I need to go back and, and look this up, but the, I've seen uh, the hashtags. Bring it, up on a, bring it up on a podcast and haven't even researched uh, yeah, it. Yeah, I thought... Uh, so, what... It's, they've got to prove themselves. I mean, Tyler Vaughn's we think, is going to be a, a very good player. We think he's going to earn more playing time, but he had a drop in the game. His first opportunity to make a play, you know, it was a third down, he making a conversion, he made a drop. Um... Joseph Lewis didn't get many opportunities. You know, he played 11 plays, so he, he played three different drives. He was in with Stephen Carr on the final drive. Um, so he's going to get more and more opportunities, we think. We've seen him practice a little bit more with the, you know, the first and second team this week. You think he's going to get those opportunities, but when you get them, you got to do something. And once they start doing something, you see, uh, you see three catches for 37 yards or whatever it is, then okay, I can trust that guy. I know he's going to turn the right way when I throw this stick route. I know that he's going to look over the right shoulder and be there. I mean, the first throw I tweeted it out today that Sam Darnold threw of the game, and maybe it wasn't the best throw he should have thrown because there was a linebacker there and it kind of tipped the ball just barely, but he threw it straight ahead almost for him, and he was in the middle of the hashes, or not in the middle, but to the left of the hash, the middle of the hashes, Whereas Stephen Mitchell was outside the hashes by a couple yards, you can barely see him in the screen when Sam starts uh, starts his motion, and he connects for a completion. He throws to a spot, not to where the receiver is. He's an anticipatory thrower, and he does really well at that. Well, he needs to be able to anticipate where you're going to be. So that's one thing that we have to see from, and he and they have to earn the trust from him. So Joseph Lewis played a bunch, and and Tyler Tyler Vaughn's or Joseph Lewis played some, and Tyler Vaughn's played a bunch. And, you know, they didn't get a ton of targets. Well, Sam's going to th- target you more and more as he becomes more, uh, when he is, trusts you a little bit more. And that's why you see a guy like Deontay Burnett. If you can get it open, Sam will find you. In that sense, do you think there should have been more emphasis, I guess, over summer PRPs and just getting that chemistry with Sam? I mean, we... They talked about how they would, like Sam, they would call Sam up and go. And like Stephen Carr even said that, or Ronald Jones, excuse me, that they, he would go and throw some with Sam. So I think there was more than maybe the PRPs that we saw. Um, but I think it's tough to do when you're just throwing air routes because you need to know where the defenders are. You need to know what a guy's going to do when he's running full speed because air routes, a lot of times, guys don't run full speed. Yeah. Um, what? Oh. <laughs> Let's see. How about, uh, do you buy into the balance philosophy that T and Clint? We kind of already hit this. You threw me off with your little hand signals you're giving me, but do you buy into one that? One more. One more question. I'm giving you one more. Uh, but I, okay, I have two more. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll try to rapid fire. You know how hard this is for me. How, yeah, it really is. Okay. I guess you can mix this together with play calling, I guess, Cl- and game preparing. Clay said that he didn't want to get too much into the X's and O's over the summer, like he did with Alabama, which he admitted. But then it turns out the defense prepared for three separate offenses, and then we kind of saw them a little confused. Well, there's a difference in offense versus defense. Where offense, you run your stuff, you know, you, you try to find stuff that's going to work against defense, but it's more about you. Whereas defense, you're it's more reactionary type of thing. Unless you're Todd Graham and you blitz 12 guys at once, uh, which there's only 11 guys in the field, but Todd Graham would run out there himself if he could. Um <laughs> With his headset mic on, like Britney Spears. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough with a defense, especially when you're facing this, uh, a, a staff like Western Michigan 
that is from all over, that has done different things. All right, what are they going to do? And we talked about it a little bit last week is, um, right, is the head coach going to have final say? Is he going to give the, the right away to the offense coordinator? Is somebody else going to have input on the play calling, the speed? And we saw it was kind of a little bit of everything. They ran some up-tempo. They were slow at other times. You know, they did some three-wide sets, and that's why USC was in the nickel lock because they're three-wides, and they ran some 12 personnel, which is one running back and two tight ends. And Cam Smith said yesterday they were not prepared for that at all. They hadn't seen that at all on tape. You know, of the 80% of the stuff they weren't going to use, that was some other stuff that they still weren't, that they didn't even know about. And, you know, the first time they ran it, you know, they confused USC and they were able to pick up a, a you know, a first down because USC was still a nickel versus two tight ends, which normally they would want to be a base. And you saw USC immediately correct where everybody was complaining about the three down lineman. They immediately corrected because they saw oh, two tight ends. All right, get it, get another defense lineman in there. And then they go three wides and then they were able to complete a pass. So that's the cat and mouse game, obviously. And you can't just always say, you got to have three defense linemen in there. I don't. Well, if they're always in a 12 personnel or they're always using a fullback and a tight end, yes, you can do that. There's only two receivers, but you don't, and like Clay said, we don't want Uchenna or we don't want Porter having to run after, you know, a slot receiver or whatever it is. Now, maybe that, that's not true what would actually happen. They would rotate a safety in, but a lot, it looked like a lot of times they would prefer having a guy over Jack Jones just in case. You know, just an extra safety over the top where they feel comfortable leaving Biggie on the island right now. Whereas last year, you could probably leave both of those guys on the island and you could play more in the box. And I think that's one of the reasons why the run defense was so good at the end of the season. There you have it. Last, very quick, key to Stanford. What do you think USC needs to do? <sighs> I've dropped a lot of keys, unfortunately, <laughs> in the Facebook Live. But I think it comes to stopping the run. And by doing that, can you keep them out of third and short? If you can keep them out of third and short, then they don't have the as many of those easier three, one, third and one, third and two uh, runs where they're going to pick it up because they can fall forward and get those, it seems like, almost all the time because of how patient the running backs are. I think that's a huge thing. Good job. I thought you were going <sighs> to. You seem like you had more, but you're good? You're good? I'm out for now. Okay, good job. Um, I mean, that is our Family Feud podcast. How how do you feel about that, Chalkin? I need a shower. <laughs> um, tweet us any recommendations or comments, concerns, questions that you have. Don't be mean. Yeah, send us, uh, <laughs> send us debate topics. We'll be, uh, you know, going back and forth with each other for different segments as we progress with the podcast. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you think. And, uh, you know, we'll be back next week to talk about Stanford and then the upcoming game after that. You know, we're going to be talking a little bit of, a little bit of the previous game. I mean, obviously we had to talk a lot about Western Michigan's opening game, but we want to preview the next game as well a little bit. So to give you a little bit of a Friday appeal, we're going to do Fridays. Yes. Yeah, a little appetizer for the game on Saturday. Yeah. Cause, you know, we don't have any practice on Friday to cover. So you need, you need a little football on Friday, right? It's true. It's true. Before you go out to a high school football game. Yeah. Like we do. <laughs> All right, that's going to wrap it up for Family Feud. We'll see you guys next week.